0: What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson, uh, and this is another foiling series episode. Today's guest is James Casey, most frequent guest on the show. This is his third appearance. He was the first guest, first guy to go down this rabbit hole with me um, back when I didn't know anything about foiling. And so I really appreciate him doing that. And then, uh, It's been fun for him to be a part of this, you know, kind of about every six months, it seems like. Um, Since you guys know who James Casey is now, he is an Australian uh, waterman, um, accomplished surfer, racer, and longboarder, I guess, too. And now uh, super big in the foiling scene, running camps and uh, doing really, really well on the downwind scene as well and if you guys want to get to know him a little bit better th- this show we just jump in and we just talk uh, all things foiling if you want to get to know him better go back and listen to the earlier shows where he recounts his path into the sport and all of that um you can find those if you don't if you don't subscribe already make sure you subscribe um the show you can you can subscribe on itunes on stitcher on google podcasts uh we're everywhere and you know, make sure that you subscribe. I, I think there's been some trickery happening a little bit um, with uh, with some of the links I've been posting on on Facebook and Instagram. Some of them are getting blocked for some reason, and I'm not exactly sure why. I have some suspicions. But um, make sure that you subscribe directly to the podcast so that you guys get it when they come out. Then you don't have to wait, and you'll just get a notification on your phone or wherever you listen to podcasts, and uh, they'll pop right up. Um, We talk about wings this show and uh, the next show, which was with Adam Bennett. I've recorded it. It'll come out very soon. Um, I talk about the unifoil gear that I ride, the MFC stuff that I've been riding. Um, And I'm posting videos about the progress. And you can see the differences in those wings. And you can check that out on Instagram. So give me a follow, the.progression.project. And maybe there'll be a little bit more context to uh, what we talk about in regards to the wings. So yeah. Uh, another note, I'm not sponsored by anybody. Um, you know, brands hook it up because you know, they want me to test stuff and I'm super honest and open with them. And then also online about what I'm doing, but, um, I'm not affiliated with any of these brands other than getting some mild hookups. You know, I'm not, there's no financial reciprocity. I do own portal surf designs. I I shape boards. If you guys are interested in that, hit me up. But, uh, in regards to wings, I'm open to test anything. If you guys, you know, I got someone reached out to me this week to wanted me to test some stuff. I'm super happy to do it because testing gear, I think is super fun. I learned stuff. I'm happy to give open feedback and I've evaluated a lot of stuff. So there's probably some benefit for, um, you know, the guys designing the foils as well. So, um, please don't think that, you know, any of this is necessarily an advertisement for anything, um, But, uh, but I always I'm just fired up on the gear that I'm riding. So I, I share those experiences. And um, I'm sure that's a benefit for the stuff that I'm riding too, you know, so. um, Yeah, all right, let's jump in with James Casey, hit me up if you guys need anything. Uh, I love all the feedback about the show, all the messages and whatnot. It's making the show better. I think it's gotten better over the last little bit. So I'm going to continue to try to to do that, push forward and incorporate the feedback I'm getting from you guys. So that's a more valuable uh, show for you guys. You know, the idea here is to have this have the progression project podcast on the foiling series, be a repository, you know, like a a guide for best practices uh, and, and gear. It's a long form podcast. And we have the time to, to dive into all this stuff. So hopefully the folks that are listening are getting a benefit and you're seeing it in your foiling and I hear that. So that stokes me out. So all right, thank you guys so much. And let's jump in with James Casey. James Casey, thanks for coming back on the show, man. How are you?
1: Yeah, good thanks. Thanks for having me, Eric. Thanks to be back.
0: Yeah, no, this is good, dude. I think uh, you were the first guy on, so this is very yeah. cool. Third trip, third the trip. Whole third. Rolling. Yeah. What's new? Everybody knows your story at this point. What's, uh, what's going on in your world?
1: Um, I just got back from Western Australia where I was doing a bunch of, um, downwind racing, um, foiling and stand up. Um, probably did more foil runs on the down, like downwind than I did stand up. But, um, yeah, it was a good trip. Um, learned a lot about downwinding, downwinding in seaweed. Um, and yeah, just, just, testing a bunch of gear and yeah, it was super fun.
0: Well, where do you want to start with all that? There's a lot there.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess so I'll, I'll talk about the, the doctor, which was, I guess a downwind four race we did. Um, we had about five people enter. It's it's a, it's a massive ski race. So like there were literally probably 300 surf skis that we paddle from, um, Rottnest Island back to Sorrento. So Rottnest Island's an island off the mainland and we paddle back to basically a suburb in Perth and, okay. um, the reason they call the doctors because basically every afternoon the sea breeze comes in. They call that the Fremantle Doctor because back in the day it used to be like a prison, or like a or, and used to be able to smell the like the um, I guess oh, not so much prison, but like the the, the the dead bodies back in the day, way back. So, yeah, a little bit heavy, but um, yeah, the, the doctor. That, that's the sea breeze, but um, it makes for a really good. Um, trip away you know every day we i was over there for two weeks and we got 12 days of wind over you know 20 knots 20 to 30 knots so um yeah super fun super fun trip i go every year for um the, the what they call it, western australia downwind week and it's yeah it's always a hell time
0: nice how'd, how'd you do in the race
1: um i got second so um i was foiling like the week before with uh, marcus and ben tarju um marcus designer for Sonova surfboards and he, he foiled Molokai earlier this year and um Ben Tajer, his brother designs for one one South Australia and um he was actually he was using Takuma and Art uh, Marcus was using an Axis and I was using the GoFoil. And um was super interesting actually. Like we tested all week and um it seemed that the Takuma and the it was he was using the, the sixteen hundred, the Takuma lol 1600, and I was using the GoFall GL180, and Marcus was using the Axis. I was he using the the 900, basically a, a prototype of that. Um, and the results were interesting, you know, like basically the, the, the 1600 and the, which is a it's a fairly like low aspect foil, like D shape, um, and I was using the GL180, which is fairly high aspect. Um, Marcus was using that nine hundred, which is also high aspect. But the Takuma and the GoFor were almost like inseparable in pace. We were we were literally like we'd do, um, you know, down and run down the coast and side by side the whole way. Like if you got a good one, you'd you'd get it further in front. If he got a good one, he'd be further in front. And then sort of towards race day, there was a bunch of um seaweed, you know, in the water. So um basically, if you got seaweed, you would, you'd have to get it off. Like jump off your board, flip the foil over, get it off, and then paddle back up onto a, onto a bump oh, and and downwind. Which you know, it sucks. <laughs> it sort of ruins the downwind feeling. You can still go with it, but um, it's just like this drag. You know, it's like seaweed in your leash. Just stops you. Um, but yeah, so it was a really good week of testing. I had like five different wings. I was playing around with. Um, then he had just the one Takuma 1600 and Marcus had a bunch of Axis wings was playing around so we all swapped and changed and um, yeah the Gofoil and the Takuma were like super similar speeds which was which was cool.
0: How, um, how did the Axis 900 compare to the Gofoil and Takuma?
1: You just had to work a lot harder to um to to stay anywhere near it, it. was it seemed like the whole time Marcus was probably per kilometer like 15 seconds slower which doesn't seem like a lot but when you're doing a 20 20 7k race yeah that's that's minutes so
0: where do you think uh, that came from is there a body weight difference is there a board difference could have been um one of those factors because i've seen that 900 that 900 is a good wing i've got a buddy who rides it all the time he loves it it seems like it's super high aspect kind of like in that vein of the you know signature unifoil gofoil gl stuff right
1: yeah that's what we thought too um marcus is super like, he, we call him the professor. He's just so into all this stuff. And he was basically playing around all this different stuff. And he thinks it's the foil section on it. It's um not – it's, like, too slow a foil. So they're fairly – well, like, there was either 900, but he also had a few prototype wings that, I guess, Axis are playing around with. And uh, basically, similar story throughout all of them. The foil section was just too slow, basically. So we, I, we, we, we swapped boards. Like, we all swapped interchange gear, and every time the axis was the slowest um, out of those three. So, uh, you know, that's about as... We, we couldn't test anything else, basically. It was night and day. Whenever someone swapped with Marcus to go on his wing, they were slower, and Marcus was faster. Every time he went on a different wing, he was faster. Every time he went on back on his wing, he was slower. So it was... Yeah.
0: That's crazy. It's, we, weird. You know, it's but, weird to me to think about that, because I've seen all three of those foils in person i haven't ridden yep. all three um last trip down to costa rica chase is riding the takuma right now a bunch um he rides the f1 stuff too um and so watching him on that wing but that wing did not look like it would have been a super fast downwind wing
1: how, how, not at what, all what, no, that's 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 what we were like like because we, we were exchanging stats ben and i before we went over I'm we like i oh, interesting and generally speaking, my stats were a bit faster than his. Um, generally, but yeah, a lot of that's condition condition dependent. In Sydney, we get a lot of backwash and swell. Whereas in Gold Coast, it's a little bit more mellow. Um, but yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was crazy. Such different wings, and they were literally so similar in speed. Um, ben won the Doctor and King of the Cut the weekend after. i I, I paddled. I'm a stand up to the King of the Cut and I lost to him by seven seconds in the in the doctor. Um so yeah, it was literally there's nothing in it. But like looking at the wings it they look like the Takuma does not look like a fast wing by, by any stretch of the imagination, but there's something in it. Like there's no doubt. It's something that works. A high aspect you know, a low aspect isn't dead is, is the way I see it, you know. There's still speed in you know the Takuma wing, which is for sure a low aspect wing. Um and
0: yeah, well, maybe cool. it has to do with winglets. I mean, from a aerodynamic, hydrodynamic standpoint, winglets don't allow as much uh, escape of pressure around, you know, turbulence around around the edges, the wingtips, uh, which yep. is why they use them on planes. They're more efficient. There's less drag. And so maybe, yep, for sure. And you know, Marcus, being the
1: nutty professor, he is he he put winglets on his um his
0: Axis wing. That's what i about to say. The end of the week, and and he. <laughs> Yeah, and and he found it definitely a lot more stable and like more predictable, but um, he
1: didn't necessarily feel like he was going faster, which you know,
0: it makes you wonder. Hard to
1: say. Hard hard to test, but um, yeah, interesting for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I always say this: we're on Skype, folks. If you guys are listening, it sounds like James and I are talking over each other a little bit. It's because we're on a delay because he's in an Australia and I'm on the east coast of the United States. So um, we don't mean to be talking over each other. Um. And I'm not going to edit this. I don't have the time to go through and edit these podcasts to take away that uh, the, those moments. So just bear with them. I apologize. Um, it makes you wonder, though, James. Like, what would the effect of winglets be if if the magic in the Takuma is the winglets? Because it looks like that wing is very similar. I mean, it's not a low-profile wing. It you know, and it's not a high aspect wing. If it's hitting those speeds that you're talking about, maybe that maybe the magic's in those winglets. I wonder what winglets on the high aspect, the GL one hundred and eighty, or the Signature two hundred and ten. I wonder what that would feel like.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, you, I know Alex Seguera plays around. He, he always puts winglets on his personal wings. Um, he doesn't sort of sell them with the winglets because because they're, I guess, the way he puts them on, they're prone to sort of break off, and he's always, you know, they're delicate. Um, but yeah, for sure, that's definitely. I was after the race, like, damn, I should have put winglets on my on my foil, i could have gone faster. But I guess I wanna talk about like downwind speed. We're not talking max speed, it's average speed, you know, so we're trying to there's there's something to be said in using a slightly bigger wing to go faster over a you know, twenty kilometer stretch. Um so yeah, I think there's definitely you don't get confused about that. Like it's not saying that the, these these wings are fast because by like you're always going to be faster on a smaller wing. But over a you know a long downwind run, the, high, the the bigger wing is going to be able to paddle them up in next to next to no bumps and surf them all the way without coming down. Um, so yeah, that's I just want to clarify this. We're talking speed over a long distance,
2: right? <laughs> not, and, not, yeah, not, and not
0: speed on a wave. And you're also talking about um, downwinding straight line speed mostly, and not maneuverability. How how did those wings feel? In turns, did you spend any time getting any carves, any good sections on the downwind run where you're getting to do some turns on them?
1: Yeah, for sure. Like the the Takuma, um, pretty front foot. So like it felt like it was a lot of front foot pressure down. It, but the mast, like interesting with the mast as well. The, the difference, and then the, the, the one I was using the GoFull twenty nine and a half inch super stiff, the axis super stiff, and then the Takuma was noticeably um, flexier, so like softer mast. But nothing you couldn't get used to in, you know, a minute or so downwind. In terms of turns, I mean, they all turned well. Like, they're all, you know, maneuvering and, like, I love the GL180 for turning. Um, and, uh, the, you know, the Takuma turned really well too and the Axis as well. They all turned, you know, they're all slightly different, different feelings front and back and side to side. And, but yeah, you can all maneuver them. But it's, you know, they're, they're big, long calves rather than the short, snappy turns you can do on a, you know, a surfing wing, which is, um, which is all—it's all like you know, different different wings for different conditions, as, as we all know. And it's cool that you can do a bit of everything for everything um, with the with the different different setups.
0: Yeah, the deeper I get into this, the bigger my quiver <laughs> is. Kidding. <laughs> and the bigger and I actually, feel I was,
1: like... I was listening to you and Kane chat about all the different wings and changing this and changing that, and I'm such a sort of stick with one thing until it feels bad and then maybe try something else or stick with one thing until it feels slow and then change something else. So you guys tweaking with everything. I know like when you tweak with one little thing, it just changes everything. So I'm like, Oh, don't change it. Just get used to it. You'll, you'll, you'll learn to love it. So like adapting, I think you guys did discuss it, adapting to the wing that you're using. Um, and that, that sort of, you know, not taking your one style that you use on the MFC to the signature or the go foil to the Takuma or the axis or whatever it is. And you know, adapting to the wing you use and the conditions you're using it in, which I think is such a cool way to look at it. And, um, everything works and there's little different sections that are going to work better than others, but you can get used to it. You can make it work like you want it to work, which is so cool, I think.
0: Absolutely. And I, I'm a big believer that, at least this is what I tell my wife, um, that gear helps in the learning process so that by feeling different wings, it, uh, you can, or boards or whatever it is, it will it, it, reveal different skills, especially when you're riding, um, you know, the same gear that, say, uh, you know, Kane is riding and then you're breaking down the way he pumps and you're on the same gear, then, then it can make sense. And I think you can, I think that can speed up the learning process a little bit. Um, talk about some of the surf wings you've been on lately. Anything, anything new, anything exciting?
2: Yeah.
1: Um mainly I've been playing around with the um the, the new GoFoil wings basically so the G L one hundred and the GL one forty, which I've been loving. Like, um before that I um actually foiled Ulus um on the GoFoil Kai, um just as the sort of standard Kai setup. And um that was super fun and then just when I got home I, I got the new G L wings, the one hundred and the one forty and when I was um when I was over in Maui in July, I spoke to Dave and like I said, and he, he just got one of the first GL140s. I said, how is it? He goes, well, let me tell you this, James, if you can't get your hands on one, don't, either, don't even bother trying it because it's <laughs> going to ruin everything else for you. <laughs> That's classic. So it was like his way of saying, you know take your eyes off my wing mate
0: (laughs) (laughs) don't even try it uh hey anyone out there who has not seen james's latest videos i think the uluwatu video um we should go into that a little bit that looked like that was not easy to film that was not an easy day to surf but that video is tremendous um why don't you talk about that video a little bit i'm sure it's on your instagram is that where folks can watch it yeah
1: on instagram and i think it's on youtube as well and i think go full shared it a few times too so it's um if you just if, I mean, if you look up Uluwatu FOIL, James Casey, it'll it'll pop up somewhere. One of the channels, Sonova or Go Foil, it'll it'll be there.
0: Talk about but yeah, that. it was a um
1: that was a super it's it sort of it, it occurred over two days and we'd been chatting about it for months between um the head of Sonova and I. He he'd, he'd just recently been to Uluwatu and he's like, Oh, you should foil it, Jimmy. It's such a sick wave, it'd be so good for foil. I'm like, Really? Like He's pretty heavy. He's like, no, nah, you could do it. You could do it. Okay. So I said, I'm actually going there in August, and maybe, maybe I can make it happen. And um he's like, yeah, yeah, definitely make it happen. So we, yeah, we talked about it briefly then, and then I, I, it was August. No, it was going over, and I couldn't get a hold of him or, or someone to film. And he, um, ended up calling me while I was there. It's like, have you organised it? I'm like, organised what? He's like, the uluwatu foil I'm like, oh yeah, I'm here. We could do it. I've got all my gear. He's like, okay, here's a contact. Call him. And then five minutes later, um. You know, why I called me, and we set up. Talked about logistics. He organised everything basically, and said, "Okay, just be here here, and the jet ski is going to pick you up, and, do you, and I'll see you on the on the cliff. I'll be I'll be with the drone." I'm like, okay, cool. Um, see you there. We got out there. The jet ski was on time. Everything was sweet. Got out there. Um, got one wave, and then a bomb set came too. And the jet ski was trying to pick me up from you know inside the bombing. and a set came, and he almost got cleaned up like by the set. And just made it over this wave, and then he basically ran over the rope. Um, so that was the end of that day's filming, more or less. We had the, you know, had a photographer, a film, um, you know, I on the drone, and me paddling into like six to eight foot, fifteen second high tide ulu's on a four two with a, you know, Kai wing. And I'm like, oh shit, I gotta try and get some waves because we got everything set up and I literally tried to paddle in, paddle in a wave um, while the drone was flying for another two and a half hours. I think I literally caught four waves, and of those four, like, of those four waves, I fell off on, like, three of them, just ate shit, like, took off, and just too steep, too late, and just over the handlebars, um, and ended up getting one on the inside corner, like, after two and a half hours, and it was shitty, like, it wasn't even worth, like, it wasn't even worth the time and I was just so bummed like damn it what a waste of time and effort and money and all that and luckily enough the jet ski guy um they apologized and said we can we can do a dumber day for free and um we got uh basically the same setup for the next day and conditions were similar next to no people out because it was high tide and um the swell was solid like you know six to eight on the sets and just not many people out so we got to the next day, and well, the next day it was it was like cheating, like getting towed into those sort of waves on a foil was that oh, was awesome, awesome, so much fun. We got um, I only fell off once or twice, like in the critical section once I fell off, and the foil got me like the the front wing got me right in the glute, oh. like or groin, nearly lost my gonads. <laughs> it was a bit gnarly, um, but. I had a little, like, five-minute rest, got back on the ski and got a couple more. And um, I got one in particular that I got from the – watch out how familiar everyone is with Ulu's at that, that, that sort of size. So I got one from the bomby, towed in from out the back, sort of s turned and pumped out, got one at the outside corner and then pumped out again and got one at the, the racetrack on the inside. And it was, like, you know, it was a three like – a, a set of three waves and surfed it all the way through to the, like, you know, to the – section between Padang and all is
0: awesome that's so, so much good, fun. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. Uh, you know you touched on how hard it was to paddle in that first day talk about how you approach paddling into steeper waves this is something I just got back from a Costa Rica trip and I've got some buddies who uh, really charge on e-foils and there's a wave that's pretty much a tow wave and they ride it all the time it's an awesome, awesome setup there and I was trying to paddle it and Dude, I was getting my ass kicked. I I got a couple, but it, it's a it's it, paddling in on steeper steeper waves. You know, bigger overhead surf is is not fun for me, anyways. I don't enjoy it. Do you have any tricks tips?
1: First trick is find a stand up paddleboard or a jet ski,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> basically. But no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, the 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 tricks that come to mind are one is use the smallest possible wing you can find. Um, Basically, by having less lift, you're going to be able to handle those drops a little bit better. Um, two is moving your mast all the way to the back of the box. That's going to just same thing. It's just reducing your lift. Um, I heard you and Kane talking about, you know, putting a little bit of rocker in your board to increase, you know, that surfing feeling, and and that's going to help a bit too. I don't really like doing that because I like it being neutral, so I can adjust it, you know, adjust my body weight forward and back. And if I'm always on the rocker when it's smaller conditions, I, I hate it because I just feel like I'm wheeling. Whereas having it flat, like neutral, I kind of like. Um, that's just me. I, actually, one of my first boards was actually the opposite. It was like reverse rocker. So it was had so much lift, um, had like extra lift, and it worked really well for pumping in small ways. But I learned to prone foil on that board, and it absolutely sucked. So that that, that sort of extra lift sucks to take off,
2: yep. reduce
1: risk. Reduce lift helps a lot for those takeoffs. Um, so you can shim it as well. Um, and then the other thing is where to paddle into the wave. And, and you know, if you think about a wave, like a half pipe, if you go straight down, it's super steep. If you take a high line across, like across the coping, that's going to basically reduce the reduce the steepness of the takeoff. So by paddling, if you're paddling in at the back, if you paddle in and go across the wave, like taking a high line, you're going to... Basically, you reduce that super steep drop, and you're going to be able to make a few more waves. And then the the, the final option is use a bigger wing than you want to, but take off further inside and pump out to the sets, which I had you and Kane talk about, what, what was a bit of fun. And I like doing that, but like I just feel like you're sort of getting the wave, but you're not being able to do anything with it. So I love using a tiny wing on a big wave because you can basically surf it um, with with the Lost Boys foil club we we had a, had a few local spots and tow in when it's solid and messy and it's so much fun it's like it's like a skate park you literally it's like surfing like if it's the closest I've had to surfing on a foil and it's towing in with a really small wing and you get in with so much speed and you can just like you can do top turns like a lot of people's foil they foil quite horizontal but um foiling top to bottom is so much fun and that's that's where I reckon yeah, it's something that people don't do so much, and you know, steeper waves,
0: are, steeper big waves, are super fun on the foil. You got to find them to yourself. <laughs> uh, it's a good segue into something I wanted to talk about, which is since PB from the Lost Boys Foil Club has was on the show, uh, we've been we've been kind of messaging back and forth. Um, such a good dude! He's always he's cracking me up, making me laugh all the time. I, I'm sure you've got some incredible stories of. Uh, of riding with those guys, towing with those guys. Anything you want to share? Anything come to mind?
1: Um, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of stories with T V. He's um, <laughs> he's an interesting character for sure. I always get messages from him. He's, he he works as a school teacher, and so he you know he works um, you know, normal hours, and he's always trying to get out for the early or the afternoon. And um, a lot of the time I'm working sort of similar times or afternoons because I I do sort of stand up coaching. So, a lot of time I can't go out with him and he's always trying to get out. But, um, the mornings and, uh oh, the, the, just, he's, he's always rushed. Not, not always rushed, but he's always doing his best to get out there and get the most of the time. And sometimes it's like, dude, just settle down. We can, you know, if we take a minute of this and do it right, it's going to save us time rather than just rushing it and doing it later. <laughs> so, you know, there's been a couple of times where we've, you know, bringing the ski up or bringing the ski in and it's like, ah, oh, that's going to, be a lot of work later on but we're gonna that's gonna be fine for now
2: <laughs> so little things like that but
1: that's. i guess that's just his personality he's such a good guy so fun and um but yeah a few i'll start with a few sort of not so good stories about him i <laughs> made of mine sean woolner who's a, a serious like big wave charger um and he and into foiling too um he he went out with him a while ago and they were towing out our spot and they were with three people so it was mac ranger pb and, and woolly. And um, they were towing along and then, you know, taking turns. And Willie got one all the way into the inside. And PB's eyesight isn't, isn't great at, at the best of times. And um, Sean was just, you sort of just wait in the water until it's your turn to get picked up when there's two guys and one driver. And um, he was waiting and waiting. And PB came flying past him, looking for him, obviously, and then turned around and went flying back to, to where um, Maddie Granger was. And he's like, oh, that's weird. Maybe you just, I know, mean, maybe Maddie wanted another one. He was just checking where I was. Another 15, 20 minutes went by, and he's drifted out to sea. And he's like, he's not going to come back and find me. And <laughs> oh, so, he's, so he's just sitting out there, the, like probably a kilometre out to sea, thinking surely he's got to be somewhere close. And it, it, it dawns on that he's just forgotten about him. So he starts paddling in. And um, they come, They meet back at the boat ramp like an hour and a half away. He's like, And he's like, oh, where'd you go, Sean? Where'd you go, Woolly? He's like, you drove right past me. He's like, no, I didn't. I didn't drive right past you. He's like, you did. You left me. <laughs> he have to paddle, and he's like, "Oh, oh, sorry about that," and that was sort of the end of it. And he's like, "And now, Willie, will never go foiling with with PB again because his eyesight's just not what it needs to be sometimes." Um, but all good fun. Um, similar sort of thing happens. Yeah, no, no one, no one got hurt or anything. It was, it was all fine.
2: He
0: he's fully. Too out with him. So what's that. I was going to say, PB's ripping though. Like his last videos, he's surfing so good on foil, like big surf tiny little boards um
2: yeah yeah
1: oh for sure um yeah he's just he's just got on the new axis wings the 660 the the sort of gull shaped wings and man they're working so much better for him i remember when i first went out with him probably 18 months ago and he was like probably only making like 25 percent of his way, it's like one in four, he'd surf all the way through, and he's just going so hard at every single turn and um, falling off a lot. Just like he's, he's a, he used to be a, he was on the CT like years ago. Uh, he's a very good surfer. My my dad actually sponsored him when he was, a, my dad was a shaper way back in the day, and he sponsored PB. He was a little bit younger than him, and um, his my dad always said oh he was such a good surf, but he was just lazy. <laughs> now he just drives the like he. He doesn't paddle in much anymore. He's always on the ski, which is which is cool, and he's loving it. But he always, that's why he's always messaging. Like, Can you go this afternoon? Can you go this afternoon? Because he needs someone else to go with him. He can't just paddle out on a little foamy like like a lot of us do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's ripping, and like he, the, the turns he's doing now, like he's the ones he was going for like 18 months ago. That he was just sort of getting blown up. He's now making, and it's sick. I'm so frothing to see him progress because it was you know, it was. It didn't just happen for him he's put a lot of time and effort into that and um man he's it's so cool to see in the froth and the froth is always so high with pb um and yeah such a good guy and he's sharing all the videos and it, uh, he's he's sort of mastermind of the lost boys fall club between him leon and uh um, maddie granger and myself we were the first four that were we were going out every morning and afternoon for like a period of a month about a year ago now and um so much fun man yeah, the, the Frost froth levels for those old boys <laughs> so high so <laughs> sick
0: it's awesome yeah and fully charging too because some of those waves oh. you guys are surfing are not small outside of my comfort yeah, zone for sure
1: yeah it's as i said before like the towing with the little wings is so fun and like you know obviously the waves aren't small but with the ski there it's, it's fairly safe and a lot of the times the, the smaller days there's more people around so we can't even foil those days when when, when we're towing so yeah, the best days are the big clean days, or big, or even big messy days, and A frames and point breaks and bombies, and it's yeah, it's so much fun. But basically, the messier the wave, I think, the more fun
0: we have a lot of the time. What's your uh, what's your ideal foil conditions? Maybe you can break that down, by what's your ideal prone, sup, toe? Because you do all. Yeah, sure, and that definitely
1: makes a difference, huh? It does um, for sure. I'll, I'll start with. I guess prone and that's like a, a wave that breaks in the one spot every time and it's like an easy takeoff but it sort of turns into something else. So like we've got a few point breaks around here but like better up on the Gold Coast. So like Currumbin and Currumbin Alley is awesome because you've got this like little point break that goes into this wide section they call laces, and it's like these big sort of A-frame peaks and you can just bank these big hard turns and wrap it back to the section and, you know, it's just, and you can go all the way to the beach, and you can run back around instead of paddling back out. You run back along the beach, and that's cool because you don't have to paddle. It's a long wave, which I don't love on the foil because it means on a you know four foot board you got to paddle a long way back out with a foil on the bottom. So um, that's I like a, a, an option to run around. <laughs> and then on stand up, stand up I find really versatile for the foil because if it's not perfect conditions, you can still get plenty of waves because you can paddle up on the foil on a wave that isn't really broken. So I just recently, I've been out going out at one of the bombies, um, that's in Sydney and you can, yeah, you can catch a lot of waves doing, doing that. And with the, with a paddle, you can kind of get a little bit more out of your wing. Sure. The the board's a bit bigger, but, um, being a bit heavier, you can kind of maneuver it a bit. You can push it a bit harder, push the wing a bit harder, I feel. Um, and then towing basically the bigger and cleaner, the better. And, and the more going on, the better, um, I hate when it's like super, like just a super straight swell because I guess when the face is too clean and, and sort of fat, I don't love it. Well, when it's a bit steeper and sectiony, it sort of gives you something to, to sort of maneuver off. And there's the local spot we, 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 we um, ride. There's a, basically a different section depending on the swell direction in a south swell, super clean, and like a point break. And you sort of do like top to bottom sort of really fun surfing and you know, I love that, but I think I prefer when it's more east or northeast and you get these, these big A-frames and you literally take off on one wave. Like me and PB, for example, could take off on the same wave next to each other and end up like on like three waves apart and 100 metres apart, finish off at different sections. So you, there's all these waves coming across, like a cross-wave sort of setup. up. So you can take off on one wave and finish up on, three waves behind you or even five waves behind you without even having to pump back out the back. It's just um all this crisscrossing of, you know, ocean swells and and chops and oh, so much fun. And then the final thing is is downwind conditions, and I love that when it's the windier the better and the bigger the swell the better because I find downwind, if it's just windy, you can only go as fast as the wind chops, but if there's a big wind with the swell in the same direction, um, it's epic. The... um one of the fastest downwind falls I've ever done was just along the northern beaches of Sydney from Palm Beach to Manly. And I did that in just about an hour, so 24 k's in an hour. Um, and the reason I went so fast that day compared to other days was the the wind was pretty good, but the swell was like five, six metres and a really big period. So I was using the wind swell to get up, but once I was up, I was actually getting onto the big... Long period ocean swells and and riding those ocean swells for you know hundreds of meters, you know five hundred six hundred meters, and then getting back onto the wind swell and getting my speed back up, like building up in the gears and speed and getting the the foil up onto the plane, and then using that to get onto the ocean swells and running
2: that for as long as I could, and that was that was epic. And you know that's having a number day like that, yeah, that's that's what
1: that's what I love about foiling in particular. You know, no one else out. It is. If there is other people out, it's epic because you can just sort of share it with them. But, um, yeah, 24, like 24 and a half Ks of downwind conditions and, you know, milking the big ocean swells back into the little ocean or the wind chop back into the big ocean swells and, and dodging some big bombies along the way.
2: <laughs> that <was a> fun <laughs>
1: session.
0: Um, You just mentioned there kind of like the gears idea. And Kane and I talked about that and you listened to that show. When we were talking about pumping, Um, did that resonate with you is that the same way that you look at pumping and you know like the last time we talked i wasn't good enough to understand probably what you were talking about um honestly and now i feel like i've kind of just pulled back the curtain or opened the door you know and i'm I'm really starting to see this as a a deeper game i'm sure you've been there for a long time um can you talk through what you heard in that conversation and what resonates and and maybe what doesn't if you interpret something a little differently yeah that definitely
1: resonated with me um Talking about those gears, like I guess the first time I really noticed it was when I switched to the GL one hundred and eighty, and those higher spec wings really you can get a motoring from um, just a few strokes. So I was surfing Hookeeper on a stand up foil, and I you know just surfing around in circles and being able to get I'd pull off the wave, and if I pull off with speed, it was all good. But sometimes you milk the wave for a little bit long, and you're on the inside, and you're like, oh no, I got to paddle back out, but you take like two strokes with the with the paddle, and it gets it gets It feels like the foil goes from just holding on to up on the plane and you're like, you can go forever, especially with the highest back wings, I feel. And there's like a speed where it's not really, li- it's lifting, but it's not going forwards. And then there's a speed where you're literally, the lift isn't really an issue anymore. And it's just how, how long can I keep this speed for? And it's, I, I, I talk about it with my mates about getting the foil up on plane rather than, you know, it just sort of displacing and causing the lift. It's like getting the foil up to speed and, and then planning, like going as fast as that foil can go. And,
2: yeah,
1: I noticed a morph. I guess I've done a lot of downwinding in the last couple of weeks, so that's what I'm thinking about. But it's very similar with the um with the surfing wings too. Um, the other I just went out yesterday afternoon on the GL100. And in some, you know, decent-sized waves, nothing massive, but when you pull off with speed, you can hold that speed for so long. And, and a lot of the times I, I wouldn't be able to um, link anything on the GL100. But when I come off the wave with speed, I can pump out and easily get to the next wave and do a nice turn and continue on with my, you know, my, 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 what the wave I was towed into, um, which is epic fun. Um, whereas when you pull off and you're a little bit, you, you pull off and not quite enough speed, especially on the small wings, you just feel like you're going up and down. You're not really going forwards. and and when that
0: happens it's really hard it's like impossible to link anything on those small wings especially yeah i find that there is a correlation kind of in the way they feel if you're on a, a really small wing or if you're on a really low profile wing um in regards to you know how quickly they they stall out and as i've been able to get better and i'm sure you've felt this too you're you're able to to conserve speed a lot better. Like any mistake is taking away that speed and then it puts you in this position where you're close to stall speed and that's where things get tricky. And so it's really easy to pump probably any wing if you're going 15 miles an hour. Um, it's, it's when you get down to nine miles an hour and you've got to get that speed back up that things get incredibly nuanced in my experience and where when you push it on the wrong angle of attack or if you the one thing that I've just learned that's pretty interesting I didn't really articulate in the last show is that as you get into those slower speeds you actually at least for me I have to push less on the wing because I can end up just pushing it right through the water and it stalls so it's almost like I have to feather it slowly not push real hard and then as you start going faster with speed then you can start pushing hard again um, which was, it's, you know, almost counterintuitive in a way to work less to get, to get back.
1: Yeah. And, and, um, I, I, I helped my mate when Marcus Tazi first started downwind foiling, everyone does it when they downwind is that they, they actually pump too much. So they, as you said, they're that they're, they're working too hard and not letting the wing just glide So right. by letting the wing glide a bit more, you're actually allowing it to build speed. So you, you're stopping it from going up and down and allowing it to go forwards and by going forwards it builds speed and then you can actually you know you have to work less so it's yeah as you say it's exponential once you let it run it's going to be easier to pump but if you pump up and down a lot too much you're preventing it from moving forwards so you've got to uh, yeah less is more <laughs> a lot of the time
0: yeah i i'm we're i'm a fish out of water right now we're headed back to the to florida here in a couple days and i think my next week is going to be between probably I don't know what wings yet but I really want to see how far I can take the efficiency that you just mentioned there that Kane mentioned Kane's using a bigger tail wing than I use on the um, like signature unifoil stuff I'm gonna go with a bigger tail wing and see if I can you know spend some time to to learn that and and to really understand that glide that you guys are talking about. Uh, I don't know if I fully get it yet. I'm still, I, I don't feel like I ever really stop. I might slow my cadence down in pumping, but I'm not really just standing there very often, maybe when I cruise through waves.
1: Um, yeah, I find especially when you pull off a wave, you can really like let it glide for a bit and not until you really start to slow down do you have to start to just pump little shallow pumps too. That's something I learned over in Western Australia is Coming from the um, original gofoils, where they're you know quite a quite a thick leading edge, and um, you can you can really stomp them to create speed. Whereas the new GLs are a bit thinner and you know higher aspects, so it's a bit different. But keeping high on the mast yeah. and just doing little tiny pumps, like speed pumps, I call them. You're going to be able to, I guess, continue for longer doing that than you are on basically. You, you, higher in the mast, less drag, Just you hold your speed for longer basically and that's something that I hadn't really played around with a lot but but foiling with, you know, a bunch of fast guys and the kumas and the axis um, by doing little shallow pumps and not going too low on the mast, you can actually hold your speed for a lot longer and, and you know, we would work on going up and over, you know, ocean bumps the whole way down the coast um, and that helps heaps for that. But also, you know, you can bring that back into, you know, in, in the waves and, you know, holding your speed, just little, that, 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 little, little pumps with a, with a little, like, you know, I do a lot of stand-up as well, but with a little, like, a shallow paddle stroke just to propel you forwards, it can sort of really keep you motoring for a long time. On, on the prone, I think it's easier in one respect and harder in another. Easier because the board's smaller and lighter, so you're going to be able to naturally hold your speed for longer, but harder because... The little paddle stroke motion just gives you that little bit more propulsion forwards, which on those higher aspect wings, once you're going forwards, you're not going to stop. So as soon as you lose it, if I take two or three strokes with the paddle, I'm back up to that planning speed again. So it's like, a, it's just a matter of fitness, how long I can go for, rather than on the prone board, I need to find a wave or a bump or something to get my speed back up. I can't just pump it back up. Because by pumping, I'm moving up and down. Whereas, I'm not getting that forward propulsion from anything. So I need a wave to get that forward propulsion. With a stand-up,
0: I can use the paddle to get that forward propulsion. Right. That makes sense. Um, You mentioned uh, boards there. And the last time you were on the show, you were talking about what you were doing with Sonova and your new line of boards. And I know that's matured a lot in the last six months. Why don't you give us a rundown of where you're at, what kind of designs you've landed on, why. Get a little technical with the shapes.
1: Yeah, so we, we just had a bunch of boards, stand up boards that were, you know, practicing or like testing on over in WA, but finding what would work best for a down, a downwind board, but also that we could use for, for in the waves too. And, um, you know, we, we've, we've come up with a, you know, a, a board that's, you know, we started with a fairly square nose board and we've gone into more of a surf shape for a couple of reasons. One, point of your nose gives you like a sleeker outline so if you are to touch down the corner of the board isn't going to hit um it also allows you to have like a nice cleaner rocker so when you're paddling up on the bump the nose isn't grabbing either so a lot of it's about the nose grabbing that outline and and also just like aesthetically it's got to look good i believe like a lot of foil boards are yeah, they're ugly <laughs> they're, they're short <laughs> they're fat they're thick. you know it's it, trying to make it a little bit you know
2: mark raphorst talks,
1: talks about a lot um or in a stand-up world anyway, boards being sexy, he wants them to look good because that's that's the part of it. You know, you want what you're riding to look good, and if if what you're riding is ugly, it's hard to. You gotta be riding pretty well for people to think that he's riding well. Um, so there's a little bit of that. Um, with in terms of the prone boards, playing around a bit, but the, the general idea is, you know, we went really short. Um, like a year ago, I was riding at three eleven. Like a basically, guy called it the the um, the Macca's tray. It was just this. Basically square or rectangle shape, and you know had a few little things that that you sort of helped here and there, but the, the outline was ugly, you know. And the reason the outline was like that was so I could catch the waves on such a short board. But I've sort of found, and, and especially falling with the with the Lost Boys, that like I'm using a board that I would paddle into a wave on like a four two. I got a four two and a four five, um, and they're using boards that are like three six ish. You know, in the, the three-foot range and, and super low volume, so they can sink them, and it's easy for them to, to get up and tow on them. Um, my thinking is, I want to be able to use my prone board to tow on as well. Um, for me, I can sink it fairly easily. Um, just from surfing background, I can I can sink a board and I can stand there for a long time. But um, having the the outline is super important, not just for um, the looks, but also when you do touch down, if you're on too narrow a board or too short a board, when you touch down, you're not going to be able to recover it. So you want it to touch down and, like, you want your you know your, your foil board to be able to do a turn that you can, that you'd be able to surf on as well. I think that's imp- that's pretty important for me anyway. Because if you're hitting the white water or you're doing a big roundhouse cutting and, and your rail touches, you don't want it to stop dead. You want it to flow through that. And, and not necessarily glance either. I find if it glances, it can all, almost put you off because it's too slippery. But it's like that fine line between glancing and grabbing. Right. And so lots of sharp edges on a prone board, especially I don't think work. On a stand-up, we, we, we played on this one shape that had a lot, of, a lot going on, basically. You know, chines and bevels and concaves. And there was something in it that we really liked. And And the outline was cool, and there was a bit going on the bottom of the board, but it seemed to work. It seemed easier to get up and going you know from from the downwind perspective, um similar for you know paddling onto small waves. So I think we're pretty close to being finalized on that one in terms of the prone boards where in my head, I've got a few ideas for prone boards. I think there's a lot of merit in creating a, a tow foil board that that is low volume, so it's easy to use, nice and thin, and it's lighter um the, like like in prone board like just like you get your stock standard you know foot between four and five foot i think for me like up to five two maybe is like kind of the length that i want to go and then and then i've just recently um i was chatting to Marks about like a, a prone downwind board that i want to play around with um just because there are a lot of surfers that want to get into the downwind thing downwind foil thing but they don't want to learn to stand up you know just because they can't or because they there's the stigma that people you know they don't all like they don't want to be with a paddle, which we both agree is a little bit silly, but, you know, people like that, they get stuck in their waves and that's cool. We still want to be able to sell a board that they can like offer something where they can prone downwind on, but also like paddling, like we are talking about earlier, paddling into bigger waves. It's really like, you'd never take a, into bigger waves on and I kind of want to cross over so you know flirting with length um, is one thing we're doing but seeing how long we can go before it's cumbersome Even when I'm even when I'm out there on jet skis there's people surfing on the brakes nearby, I'm like, Oh this is really fun but I know it's pissing everyone off so let's just get two or three ways when let's go in because it's the fumes, the wake, it's just not cool for other people surfing around. Like people don't go out in the water to be hassled by a motor powered engine. Like you like, you know, you get out there to be peaceful and free and um I think that's really important and sometimes I probably do push the line a little bit too far you know, close to people, but I think it's important that we do sort of, you know, understand that on a jet ski, we're annoying other people. And, you know, you don't want to have fun at the expense of other people, so, you know, think about that under the towing stuff, and definitely look for, ideally, we always look for ways where there's less people know people. And if there are people, stay, you know, obviously within the legal distance away. Um, but, yeah,
2: that's, yeah,
1: that's why I really, that's why I wanted to develop up this, this sort of, a sort of bigger wave foil board and, and also that's why i take my stand-up foil board out a fair bit because you know you're not annoying anyone you're not buzzing around creating fumes or wake which is you know, a nice thing to be able to nice to not be able to do that and still have fun
0: for sure w- what you mentioned there about the bigger wave prone board we were in our last trip down to costa rica um one of my good friends down there andrew brought uh the shaper who's Pretty, pretty popular, famous in Central America. Uh, che surfboards, uh, uh, Juan Diego, and uh, he had he was he's pretty into foiling now. Like he's super foil. Actually, I'll tell a quick story about him because this made me really happy, man. It's like immediately made me like this guy a lot. We were talking about wings on the beach while we were waiting a, for a boat to go out to this reef break, and we were talking about tail wings because I was using this custom tail wing I had just shaped with a lot of flex, and I wasn't sure how it was going to go. I think it was my first session on it and he started talking about this tail wing that he had shaped and it was his favorite tail wing and it had flex and he looks down at his arms he's like look at my arms i've got goosebumps (laughs) He got goosebumps (laughs) talking about (laughs) talking about his favorite tail wing i was like you got like this guy yeah right it was awesome yeah um but the board that the board that he was riding was, I don't know how long it was. It was probably four, five, four, seven, something like that. I don't remember exactly, but it was incredibly big. It was probably 55, 60 liters. It was a big board. Like I would have, I mean, I probably couldn't sup it, but there are guys that could sup it for sure. You know, like who didn't weigh as much as me. And I was riding my kind of like bigger board for me, which is a 35 liter four nine that I've, I go back and forth between that and a four six, and actually just designed a four two that's coming out soon, which is going to be fun to test. Um, but uh, the he was chipping in twenty meters farther out, really easily. I mean, it was you know like you're the guy on the stand. I'm like I'm usually the guy on the stand up chipping in. Um, but being on a prone foil board and watching how easy it was for him to enter waves and to be able to avoid, I mean, it, it wasn't a big day. It was probably chest high. Um, but there was a, some bowl sections as you're taking off on this little reef. And, you, you, yeah. you know, he was able to, to he, he was good. He, he, at some points he did have to deal with some steeper sections, but he didn't have to on every wave because of the volume in the board. Um, and it was just really cool to watch that while you're sitting on a prone board working a lot harder to take off and he's gliding in i mean sure yeah constant struggle between ease and performance right Uh
1: yeah i I think we all get a little bit hung up on how how long a board is or how how big a board is like especially with thickness which i don't love putting a lot of thickness in boards because you i feel disconnected from the from the foil a little bit yeah um but by going length, like six foot isn't too long at all. I don't think. No. Um, I even had a six six downwind board, and yeah, that that worked fine as well. Um, especially for downwind, we not turning quite as hard. But um, yeah, I, I want to sort of play around with that, and I think there's definitely something in like a longer board to get into, as you said, get like chip in early. Like that's yeah. You watch even the big. in early and then they take the drop and, and for foiling similar thing like why are we trying to make it so hard on ourselves riding a four for nothing you know or you know un- under five feet it's even worse on a foil board the drops suck like you want to avoid those drops especially when you're getting up onto the foil you can once you're up on the foil you can handle those drops
0: Two, two thoughts for you real quick while we're on this topic. And one is uh, performance. You know, I, I look at some of the the videos. Um, I kind of use Instagram as a personal video archive. You know, I post videos up there. And the, the what I use it for after I've done it is I can go back and I can look at clips from certain days. And I kind of follow progress in that way. It's kind of like a, here's, you know, my clips from the last nine months of foiling. And I can go back and look at it. And I was just doing that the other day. And I was looking at some of the turns. That I was doing on a hundred liter 5'5 SUP. SUP actually was not a good paddle board. I didn't like it. It's just too small. Five five is too small for me. Um yeah. my next one will probably be a six. I think maybe six one or six two. I don't know. But the turns at a hundred liters were not they're not that much different than turns I'm doing on a four six prone board. You know, there's a little bit yeah. more, but it's it's not, it's not it's not it's not 60 liters difference you know in the way it should be and then the second thought on that the second thought on that is that like riding the bigger boards there's something to having a little bit of weight to your board when you're foiling i think and a lot of people disagree with this you know um kane and i talked about it a little bit uh said he likes the lightest boards possible when he's when he's towing um but i've gone to doing poly Blanks with double stringers and the boards are about a pound and a half heavier than what I could make them if I went as light as possible in carbon. But I kind of like the weight. And when you think about it in context of the kind of turns you can do on a stand-up, I don't think you're missing anything and you get so much more durability and that direct connection, like the double stringer and the way that it mounts, it's like there's zero flex, you're connected double stringer yeah. I-beam directly to the plate. So you've got this complete control over the foil. Um have you played around with heavier boards? What do you think about weight in boards? Like, what do you think about them Yeah, I was
1: literally, literally just playing around with um, a bunch of boards with Sonova, but more, more downwind shapes. Um, obviously, <laughs> if you downwind, the lighter, the better. Uh, but I think there's a line like, same with towing, like, a lighter board is going to be better unless you're overwinged. And if you're overwinged, then a heavier board is going to be better because you're all of a sudden you got extra weight. So it's going to keep the foil in that little bit more. Um, so,
0: Do you think weight smooths out like, the foil? Do you think it, the weight smooths for sure. out? Sure, yeah, I think yeah. I think
1: it smooths it out. But like, it's like when you change to a smaller back wing or a smaller front wing, like that um, twitchiness is something you have to get used to. But it, it, it's no question in my doubt, it's high performance. A twitchier, twitchier foil, twitchier setup, lighter board, um, smaller wing. It's going to be, you're going to be able to push the limits a bit harder on it. You're going to be able to react to it. A bigger bigger wing or heavier board you're going to be able to make it work but it's not going to it's it's never as twitchy and um if you make those lighter boards but they're like fragile and the connection isn't great then that isn't because the board's light it's because the board isn't solid It's, it's not stiff it's not um it's not made properly so if the box is loose, it's always going to feel shit. It's going to feel twitchy too, but that's because right. the box is loose. But if you have a solid connection, a solid like solid box, the board is strong, but it's still light, then for sure, it's got to be better than the board that's the same structurally, but a kilo heavier. So, so I, I know what you're saying, though. I, like, I definitely sometimes I'll go out and I'm like, oh, that was sick on the stand-up. I couldn't do those turns on that wing on a prone board. But that's more because on a stand-up, I'll generally use – like for for me, previously I I use the one hundred and forty on the stand up, the GL one hundred and forty on the stand up, the GL one hundred on the on the prone board, and it feels similar. I can right. I can pump the one hundred and forty out on the stand up, no worries. But on the prone board, the one hundred and forty feels almost like the one hundred and eighty. So much lift on a little board. Right. Um, yeah. Whereas I can get away with the surfing the G, the one hundred on the prone board feels great, so, um, but on the stand up, it feels like not enough lift.
0: I think so, when you think about weight of a board. It needs to be, there might be a better way to think about it. And this is something that I haven't really thought about. I just had this thought when we were talking right now. And that is that, you know, there's the, there's the dry weight of the board of of the board being, you know, you're holding it on the beach. But as soon as you're paddling into a wave, that weight of the board is, is counteracted by the force of the foil pushing up. So when you're standing on a board, I mean, you could say that, you know, what's the difference in me having 190 pounds uh directly supported by the foil or 192 pounds if the board's two pounds heavier like how much of a difference does that really make because the force of the foil is counteracting you know whatever weight of the board there is I think it would just come down to swing weight really and and really it would probably just come down to yaw because swing weight you can balance out with um it would just be inertia, I guess, because swing weight you can pretty much balance out with uh, with placement of the foil, front to back, anyways.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but yeah, I think
1: for me that like that two pounds, it's not a <clears throat> excuse me, it's not a part of your body, so it's something you can change, and right. like, your weight is your weight, but having a lighter board like. Um, I tried two boards from Smover recently. One was, um, one was, you know, five and a, a was five point two, and the other was four point seven kilos, and so half a kilo is different. One pound. Which, yeah, a pound, and, and that that made like a huge difference in in how the board felt and performed.
2: The exact and exact no board. doubt that the, the
1: exact same board, exact same Interesting. board. Interesting. Like, yeah, there's no no doubt in my mind that the, like I I had one that. Um, was orange and the other one was um, just like your, your bolsa, just the, the production sonova one and there was no doubt that the the production colored one was lighter and better
0: but you like the lighter one more
1: yeah for sure but you know what happened it eventually it fell apart we went too light <laughs> so yeah. you know what I mean and that, that's, you know, that's that's the, the line you're treading you know you've got to right. find what something that's like so, so for that half kilo for that pound that board fell apart For the other one, that's half like a pound heavier. It's been west. I've done like probably hundreds of kilometers on it downwind now, and it hasn't even got a ding in it anywhere. You know, a few scratches from travel and this and that, like in the in and out of cars and all that sort of stuff. But it's it's solid. Like, so yeah, that's something you definitely gotta. You know, do you want to be swapping boards every six months so you have the lightest, or or do you want a board that's gonna last and be that little bit heavier, but yeah, so it's, yeah, it's tricky. But, you know, obviously, in the, in, the best, in the ideal world, you've got a board that's light and strong, but then it's going to be expensive, I guess. <laughs> you can't have all three. Today we talk about, you know, you can have three, You can have two or three things light, strong, and expensive. You're talking about light, strong, and, and um, so it's weight, um, durability, and price
0: weight durability, price you can't, have, you can't have all
1: three pick pick two you know
2: <laughs> pick,
0: pick
1: two of those three you want light and strong it's going to be expensive you want light um and cheap it's going to fall apart you know it's like it's not gonna yeah it's hard it's hard to get everything right in in, in a board that's for sure and it's you just got to find what people want and or what find what you want as well
0: so, um, yeah it's, um, so i know we're coming up to uh about the amount of time you've got before we jet what you, you uh and i'll do a plug for you at the beginning of this too but you've got a bunch of camps coming up i've been following what you've been doing online um the casey camps are happening talk about what you're doing in for foil camps and then you know, maybe throwing some of your stuff, stuff, stuff there and where people can find you and all that. Use this as a time to kind of plug what you're doing. And obviously anyone who's listening right now, you guys understand how talented James is at all this stuff. So if you get the opportunity to go and learn from him, you should jump on it. And I'm trying to do that, um, in the spring here. I don't know if it's going to work out, but that would be awesome if it does. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, uh, I guess done a lot of stand up races and stuff in the last few years, and I guess this the last two years I've done a few more i guess all like teaching like camps um like more like like what, what Dave Kalama's doing where you everyone goes to a spot for a week and just learn off, off learn off each other and I'll sort of help you sort of progress as best you, as best we can and you know in the conditions and just sort of learn as much as we can and have fun um but the first one I ever did was in the Maldives, and that was just a subsurf sort of subsurf specific camp but i actually did bring a foil board along and a few guys we we taught to foil behind the boat which was super fun um and just last year i did another camp which was actually just literally a foiling camp um sonova have a factory just north of phuket and they wouldn't really in thailand you wouldn't really associate thailand with good waves but for foiling the waves are actually perfect there's like beach breaks reef breaks and we have access to a boat so there's and have their own factory, so you can. There's a lot of boards and a lot of foils to play around with. Um, so we we did our first one there just um, last uh, about two months ago now, and um, epic, so much fun, good food, good people, good conditions, um, and that was super fun in Thailand. And, and, and since that, um, I've sort of been exploring that avenue. And had a few people message me on Instagram, and, and um, I've been chatting to Chase and, and yourself, Eric, about doing one in Costa Rica for, for a little while now, and we've finally figured out a date we're going to go early April and I'm pumped I can't wait to get over get over there and just see all the setups and you know Chase been telling me and you've been telling me how good the the foil waves are over there um I can't wait to sort of explore the culture and all that and and meet a lot of sort of like-minded foil-brained people um you know but also like Chase was saying you know we 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 sort of more of a waterman's camp than just a foil camp you know if you want to bring your stand up along if you want to bring your shortboard along you want to bring your longboard or whatever you whatever it is you do um you can and we can we can make it whatever you want it to be um you know i want to share my knowledge as best i can on on everything sort of i've learned and sort of help transfer that onto you so yeah that that's sort of the, the camp casey stuff has been super fun and the last one i'm doing next year is in september um I'm going to Indonesia, um, a place, an island called Sumba, um, with, um, I can't even pronounce it, but it's Nagala Kala, Waterman's Retreat. Um, it's going to be super fun. Um, serious waves, like proper heaving barrels. He assures me that it's good for foiling as well. (laughs) Um, but, you know, if nothing else, you can always find a foil wave, you know, but this place also has like really good surfing waves as well. Um. And it looks like a super beautiful part of the world too. So I'm excited to do that one too. So Indonesia, Maldives, Thailand, and Costa Rica. I'm seriously pumped So like that's that's my lineup. So that's that's my camps for this 2020 coming.
0: It's a good and, year, um, man.
1: Yeah. So if you any details on that, head to my website um, KC Oz C A S E Y A U S dot com, and you can check out all the dates and there's links to sort of how to sign up and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm pumped. I love this. am cropping. I got a big smile on my face right now thinking about it. Um, I can't wait for
0: that to go down. I just, uh, last last week when we were down there in Costa Rica, uh, I took a buddy's, you know, I took his pang out We together with him and um, we found, I found two new spots that uh, we didn't, we had never surfed before, which was insane for foiling. Not great surf spots, yeah. but, but just such good setups for foiling. The coast is but, completely unexplored down there. You know, like it's so. That's cool. the beauty, right? Like yeah. you can
1: literally, like, that's like in the Maldives, we, we, we were motoring along, like looking for sub surf waves, and we go through like a, this one atoll, and I'm like, dude, stop the boat, stop the boat. That's a hell foil wave just there. And they look at me like, are you serious? I'm like, 100%. Like, let's stop. And like, oh, we can't. And I'm like, ah, oh, next year we've got to stop here. Cause it was, yeah, like at, at at that point, there was no one really foiling. That was two years ago. And there's no one foiling on the boat, so I couldn't, you know, convince anyone to come out with me. And I wasn't going to stop the boat just for myself. But um, yeah, like foil waves are things you just glance over, and don't even look at, and and like exploring, like doing a, a foil trip, looking for foil waves is epic because you're literally you're finding ways for yourself. And it's like what is what is dog shit for one person is like gold for a foiler. You know, it's oh, epic.
0: It's yeah, it's the uh, um, wh- well, what's what is it in Stranger Things? The uh, the underneath or whatever it's called. Um, it's such a such a cool thing, man. It's like it's like you can see the world in a completely different way with the foil exactly. eyes, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The foil brain, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I love that that's taken off. <laughs> <From> <laughs> yeah.
0: and... I think you, I think that was you, man. I think he yeah, started yeah, I'll, I'll
1: give it to Rob. Ben, ben Martin from WA, Geraldton. He's, he's a crazy dude.
0: He's into it. <laughs> That's epic, James. Well, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Um, how do people find you on Instagram and Parting Words?
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And, um, yeah, looking forward to hopefully catching up in Costa Rica with you and anyone listening <laughs> as well. Looking forward to hanging out and, um, yeah, being in touch. I'll, I'll be listening to the podcast coming up. So can't wait.
0: Awesome. James, appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks so much,
1: Eric.